Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Now you can find me in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 19 through 28. And there will be a bit of reading, but I promise you it is all necessary for the topic of today. I will be reading from the contemporary English version because I believe that it will give us the true essence of the text for today. And the word of the Lord reads, Some of the fights came to Saul at Gibeah. David is hiding among us in the fortresses at Horesh, on the hill of Hashalah, south of Jeshimon. So whenever you want to come down, your majesty, do it. Leave it to us to hand him over to the king. The Lord bless you because you have shown this kindness to me, Saul said. So go now and get everything ready. Find out everything you can, where he stays, where he goes, and who has seen him. I am told that he is very shrewd. Find out every hiding place he uses there and come back to me when you know for certain. I will then go with you. If David is in the area, I will hunt him down among any of Judah's clans. So, go, got, so they got up and left Ziph ahead of Saul. Meanwhile, David and his soldiers were in the Maon wilderness in the desert plain south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his troops went looking for him, David was told about it. So he went down to a certain rock there and he stayed in the Maon wilderness. When Saul heard that, he went into the Maon wilderness after David. Saul was going around one side of a hill there while David and his soldiers went another way. David was hurrying to get away from Saul while Saul and his troops were trying to surround David and his soldiers in order to capture them. But a messenger suddenly came to Saul. Come quick, he said. The Philistines have invaded the land. So Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to fight the Philistines. That's why that place is called Escape Rock. And my anchor verse can be found at verse 23. And it reads, find out every hiding place he uses there and come back to me when you know for certain. I will then go with you. If David is in the area, I will hunt him down. And the word of the Lord is blessed. If I had to pin a title for a text, it would be chasing what you already have. Chasing what you already have. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious fathers, once again we come. Needing you, wanting you, desiring that you come and you wrap us, oh God, in your love. Father, we come saying, first, forgive us of any sin we may have committed, whether it be in word, thought, or deed. Father, you have anointed your servant to stand before your people, and for that I am humbled. Father, you have opened the door that I did not know was even an option, and for that I am grateful. Father, you have allowed me to stand and to declare your word, and for that I am humbled. And so for that I say thank you, God. I say thank you, God, because you are great and you are mighty and you are worthy of all the praise that is due today. Father, I ask that you will bless me, O oh God. Bless me indeed, O oh God. Father, I have studied your word. I have marinated in your word, but only you, O oh God, can deliver your word with power, authority, and my Father, you send your spirit, 
and you deliver, oh God, today. You heal, oh God, today. You set free, oh God, virtually, oh God, for there are no limitations to what and who you are. Father, we know that you are omniscient. We know that you are omnipresent. We know that you are omnipotent, oh God, so you have no limitations. So, Father, I ask, no, I beg, oh God, that you do what only your spirit can do. Father, hide me so far behind the cross, oh God, so that they no longer see me, but only hear and see your voice. Father, I thank you again for this opportunity. And Father, I ask that you do what only you can do through your, your humble servant. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Chasing what you already have. So a young gifted songwriter by the name of Jonathan McReynolds in 2014 penned a prophetic song called Comparison Kills. And the point of the song was simply, comparison will kill you if you let it. In the song, he highlighted how, he, how we waste time in our lives comparing ourselves to other people, wanting what they have, using other people as our measuring stick of how good or how bad we are doing. We use it to measure how smart we are. We use it to determine how wealthy or how broke we are. And in the days of social media, it is our marker because it becomes how many likes I have, how many followers I have, and how many shares that I have. Society says the more followers I have, the more popular I am. And if by chance I only have 10, then clearly no one knows my name. But as a believer, comparison to another created person and not using the creator as our barometer or our standard will begin to will begin the slow and painful death by way of comparison. When we compare ourselves to another, we lose sight of who God made us. It is amazing how he created us to be, how he was intentional and took the time and placed our eyes in the right place, our ears in the right place, how he lovingly crafted our thoughts and our intellect, our witty sense of humor. We lose sight of the assignment he prepared especially for us, the impact we are to have and the people we are created to help. We lose sight of the lives that we are to change, the relationships we are to build in the families we are to have. We begin to create alter realities that undermine God's plan. And most importantly, we allow the devil access to our lives. How do you say? Because when we compare ourselves to others, we allow the devil access to our mind our thoughts, our feelings, and our beliefs. And then we begin to rely on our own understanding of how a thing is supposed to be. And so we begin to move out of the will of God. And so it was with Saul. You see, 1 Samuel chapter 9 is a backdrop of our time today. You see, in 1 Samuel, Saul was secretly anointed and publicly appointed the first king of Israel. 1 Samuel 9 tells us that Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the most handsome the tallest, and from a wealthy family. He was sent out to search for some lost donkeys and was sent out with a helper that knew the ways of God. Their journey took them to a far enough place that positioned him right in the line of a God-ordained assignment. Unknown to Saul, while it grieved God's heart that his people wanted an earthly king in response to their cries of fair God, had hand-selected Saul to be the very first king, a king that with God's help 
would save the Israelites from the dread of the Philistines. You see, the people's desire to want to be like others was based partly out of fear of being enslaved by the Philistines. Saul was set up to make history, and his act of obedience positioned him for greatness. I am sure that he had no clue, no desire, or even a thought to be considered that he would become the very first king of a great population of people, and not just any people, God's people. So my first point is when God uses you, you can rest assured that you are the best one for the job, or he would not have given it to you. You can rest assured that provisions have been made for you. You can be assured that the blessings on the other side of your obedience is going to blow your mind. Saul had no idea that he would be placed at the table of the elect. He had no clue that he would encounter God like he did when his heart was changed. He would become the first king of Israel. And more importantly, he would prophesy with the prophets. How do you leave home a son and come back a king? How do you belong to the smallest clan of the smallest tribe and become the king? Samuel prophesied to Saul when he said, don't you own all the treasures of Israel? Take note, it would serve us well to pay attention when men and women of God speak to us and ask us questions. For often their questions are clues to what is about to happen in our lives. Saul was anointed in private by Samuel and then publicly acknowledged as a king God has selected for his people. Saul and the people were admonished by Samuel the prophet in 1 Samuel 12. And it reads, but Samuel answered the people, don't be afraid. Yes, you've done all this evil. Just don't turn back from the following of the Lord. Serve the Lord with all of your heart. Don't turn aside to follow useless idols that can't help you or save you. They're absolutely useless. For the sake of his reputation, the Lord won't abandon his people because the Lord has decided to make you his very own people. But me, I would never sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I will teach you what is good and what is right. Just fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Look at what great things he has done for you. But if you continue to do evil, then both you and your king will be destroyed. So what are you saying, Danielle? In our obedience, God will change our heart. God will change our tongue. God will change our position in him. God will change our position in life. He will place us before great men and women. Simply put, God will blow our mind. Saul became king at age 30 and served as king for 42 years. In his 42-year tenure, Saul was the king that moved the people from a tribunal government of no real leader to lead them in the times of war, and they were constantly at war, the Philistines, to a statewide government or a monarchy where there was a king to lead them and a competent army to defend them. Here is the challenge. Saul did not recognize the gifts that he had been given. He did not realize that he had been uniquely positioned for greatness by God. He did not realize that he had been gifted one of, if not the greatest first in his life. He was chosen by God. He was changed by God. He was positioned for leadership over the greatest people in the world. 
Instead, what Saul did was he hid from God. He refused to listen to God. He allowed the people he was given charge over to cause him to disobey God, and subsequently he lied to cover it up to God. Saul did not mess up one time, and God said, get out of here, you're done. No, Saul continued to mess up. Even after he committed the mortal sin by mistake three, no, he did not stop there, but he continued to make mistake after mistake, bad choice after bad decision. Saul's downfalls was he offered the sacrifice in the office of the priest. He ordered the death of his own son. And the mortal sin that he did was he, the, the mortal sin that nailed the, that nailed the coffin shut for Saul was he refused to kill King Adad and destroy all that was in the city. And 1 Samuel 15, 11, this is where the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back was. It was blatant to Samuel, the refusal to own the decision he made. And then the childish response of, well, we did it to have sacrifices for God. To which Samuel replied, and it is one of the most quoted scriptures in the world for the saved and the unsaved. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Because of his mortal sin, he was possessed, he was possessed by an evil spirit. Now, this is where it begins to play out like a Tyler Perry drama. Because six times it's noted that, they, that Saul tried to kill David. He cursed and attempts to kill Jonathan, his son, yet again. He orders the killing of 85 priests of God. And finally, the one that did it was he went to a witch seeking to resurrect Samuel, and ultimately he commits suicide on the battleground. Saul, Saul, poor, broken Saul. Of the 42 years that Saul reigned as king, two were with the Lord's blessing, and 40 were without. How many of us have found ourselves in very similar situations? Where we are gifted or blessed by God, but in our immaturity or even in our haste to have something, we lose it due to our impatience and our ignorance, which leads us to hate and to chase after the very thing that God tried to grow us into. God did not make Saul the king and then say, get out of here, bye, I'm leaving. He said, I'll make you the king, and if you trust me and obey me, I'll keep you in power. But moving too quick and not trusting God caused Saul to lose the anointing to reign. Instead of having 42 years of peace with God, he had two years of peace and 40 years of hell and torment, chasing the very thing that he was given, which was communion with God. What David had, Saul wanted. The challenge is Saul had it, but for disobedience, he would not maintain it. The Bible says that God sent an evil spirit upon Saul, which caused a chain reaction to get David to become the king. Now, I have to pause and explain this. Now, God did not send an evil spirit upon Saul in the sense that he commissioned and released the devil upon us. The Bible is clear. Dark and light cannot dwell in the same body. But what did happen is because of Saul's disobedience, he opened the door for Satan to attack him. And so while God did not send the enemy, he did use the situation to get to the desired result. God did not sick the devil on Saul because of Saul's disobedience, but he created an avenue for David to enter the story. How many opportunities did we give away because of our disobedience? How many blessings did we forfeit because we listened to the crowd instead of the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? How 
Many promotions did we throw away because when God said go left, we went right. When he said go up, we went down. When he said to give 100, we gave five. When he said to pray, we said not today. When he said to fast, we said absolutely starting tomorrow. When he said to build, we tore down. And when he said to go, we said no. Instead of repenting, we blame everybody else. Instead of owning our own decisions, we blame everybody else. It was my mom's fault because she did not love me enough. Or my dad's fault because he was not there when I was growing up. Or my grandparents' fault because they gave me everything I wanted. Instead of praying that old time prayer, it's me, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Saul pursued what he already had, but lost it because of disobedience in hopes of killing it. But how many know that you cannot kill the plan of God? God's will, and more importantly, his word, will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish and make good and produce that which it was sent to produce. God will protect his word, sustain his word, and cause his word to produce. The war within Saul was a direct reflection of his insecurities. It was the people that told me not to kill the king. It was the people that told me not to destroy the best of the spoils of Agag. And it was the cry of the people that began the pursuit of David, as outlined in 1 Samuel 18. You see, upon their return from killing Goliath and the Philistines, the women created a song that said, Saul slew thousands, while David slew tens of thousands. Scene change, enter David. David was the interesting character that often stood in the back of the room. He was handsome in an, in, an, in, an, in an interesting kind of way. David was the little guy that did not mind being alone. You see, it was in his alone time that he developed a real relationship with God. It was in this alone time that David mastered the art of war as he protected the sheep from bears and lions, often with a staff and his bare hands. David was the guy who did not start the fight, but you better believe he was a little guy who was going to finish it. It was in this quiet time that he developed his musical expertise as he wrote menuets to God of his greatness, like Psalms 8, where David pens, Oh Lord, oh Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your hands, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God. And you crowned them with glory and with honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. Oh, Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. David enters not as a storm taking over, but as a gentle whisper that creates a mighty stir. David enters as an unassuming soldier who slew Goliath and rose in popularity, which led him into leadership. David enters as a skilled musician, for Saul's emotional and mental trouble. So what kept David in position for so long? I'll tell you, 
David's heart was pure before God, and David knew enough to own his mistakes, he knew enough to repent, and he knew enough to try to do better. Sure, there were things David did wrong, but David's heart remained pure before God. So I have to ask, what's in your heart? Not the words that are said out loud, but the words that are said when you think you are alone. What is in your heart? Not the actions that are done in public, but the actions that are done when the spotlight is not on you. What is in your heart? When the things that are said to you, you should have said, but you did not say, what is in your heart? When it's just you and your thoughts. What does your heart say when no one is looking and a mistake is made in your favor and no one knows but you? What does your heart say when you're busted and you have an opportunity to admit that you're wrong? Do you lie and try to save yourself? Or when no one would know the absolute truth but you and God, what will you say? What will you do? Saul opted to save himself and spend the next 40 years trying to kill the part of him that he had forfeited. So what are some of the things today that we are given and end up losing and then begin to chase because your loss is tormenting you? Let's see. Given the opportunity to go to school for free, but choose to not study and subsequently have to pay to complete your degree. Yup, guilty. How about giving the opportunity to have a career, but don't show up on time, don't work to the best of your ability, and then get mad when you're not promoted? Yup, guilty. Or given the opportunity to be a part of a prestigious organization, but do not follow the rules to maintain membership? Yup, guilty. Again, or given the opportunity to stand on a major platform, but don't study, prepare and bring your best self to the table and then get upset when the word is not delivered with the power from the Holy Spirit and all we see is flesh and performance absolutely guilty we spend enormous amounts of time chasing what God has already placed within us if only we would trust him allow him to cultivate us and in his time bring us to the forefront Jesus came in the form of a baby he lived a quiet life. He grew in stature. And at the appointed time, he became a force to be reckoned with. He did not jump out at 20 and say, here I am, obey me. He waited. He depended on God and he trusted the process. He did not lie nor disobey God. He relied on God for direction, for guidance, and for timing. Even when life became unbearable, unbearable and they lied on him, falsely charged him, beat him beyond recognition. And when the plot to kill him began to unfold, he stood on his mark and said, through tears that dropped like blood, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. In three years, he turned the world upside down. In three years, he shifted a generation that impacted the world for centuries to come. Never again would the world be the same after an encounter with Christ. And here is what I love about Christ. He never did sing his own praises. Not in the sense that we do. We inadvertently sing our own praises by mentioning what we did, how we did it, and how they needed me. And if I wasn't there, I don't know what would have happened, but I'm going to let you tell it. Or how about the fake church humility? Well, to God be the glory. But in your head, you are screaming, yeah, I did that. I'm the one that did that. 
If he said, greater work shall you do, why would you not wait on his timing? I want to be one of the ones where the scriptures declare, these are they who turn the world upside down. Because the glory of God's presence has gone before them and is working through them. As Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. It does not matter what you gave or what you do in the name of God. What matters to God is that you are obedient to his will and you do what he says to do. Say what he says to say and go where he says to go. Then you will have the good of the land that he promised. One of my favorite prayers or promises of God is that everywhere my foot shall tread, he will give me the land. So if I walk in the streets of my neighborhood, he'll give me the land. If I walk in the streets of my dream neighborhood, he will give me the land. If I walk around the neighborhood of my church, he will give me the land. My obedience to his word and my desire to be in his will will cause these promises to come to pass. God is looking for an obedient people who do not chase what he has already placed inside of us. And it is that very seed that will produce as long as we remain connected true to the true vine. And if you don't know what was placed inside of you, go back to the creator and realize that before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. Realize that he created you in his own image and placed his seed inside of you so that you would produce like him. Remember, a seed can only produce what's inside of it. And you have the seed of God inside of you. Saul did not recognize. He was the answered prayer of the people. And the very people he was sent to help, he allowed them to cause him to miss his opportunity. Whose prayers are you the answer to? I'm going to ask that again. Whose prayers are you the answer to? Another line from the song is, pressure gets hot, and with the heat comes mirages. Well, what is a mirage? A mirage is an optical illusion, something that appears real or possible, but is not in fact so. Saul assumed Samuel's compliance to go with him was the indication that God had reversed the repercussions, but not so. When God removed his blessings from Saul, it was not a one and done. The punishment or the repercussions for disobedience was not that it impacted him solely. The loss of the anointing meant that generationally Saul had lost. You see, God allowed Saul to remain king well after his acts of disobedience, and he went on to do great exploits in his name, and his name would be remembered. But the damage of his disobedience was that his children would not inherit the kingdom after him. And so the punishment was he lost his lineage or his inheritance. This is why it is so important that we remember that our acts of disobedience don't necessarily impact us, but our children and our children's children. This is why the curse of our great, great, great grandparents show up in our children. I wasn't a drinker, but my great, great, great grandmother Mary was. I wasn't a whoremonger, but my great, great, great grandfather was. We often think that rejection comes in immediate termination, demotion, or death. Not so. Saul served for an additional 40 years, and he accomplished great exploits. But Saul had a wife 
whom we never really meet. He had five children, of which we know of one who was Jonathan, and we only know Jonathan because of who he was to David. I am not much different from Saul in some regards. Like Saul, I chased the idea of better because I did not think I was enough. I was the oldest child of two children thrown into adulthood due to a teenage pregnancy. Subsequently, I became the mother of three children. I was a product of the inner city and did not grow up with the finer things in life, or so I thought. So I began to chase after things I thought I needed. I began to chase after money because I did not realize that I had had enough growing up. What I finally realized was I had had what I needed, just not what I wanted in maturity. I began to chase after notoriety because I did not feel important enough. I did not know that my dad loved me because it did not look like the Cosby's household. I began to chase after marriage because I did not believe singlehood was glamorous enough. I wanted the American dream, family included. I chased after intoxicating things because I did not believe my reality that I was enough. God sent Jesus who was comfortable in his spot. He was so comfortable that he had a never the less attitude. This hurt, but nevertheless, God, your will be done. They are mean and hateful people, but nevertheless, God, your will be done. They do not appreciate what I am doing, but nevertheless, God, your will be done. They are the ones who are trying to kill me, but nevertheless, my God, your will be done. As I began to read and study, and more importantly, believe his word, I learned that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am loved. I am chosen. I have learned that I am secure. I have learned that I am of royal blood. I have learned that I have been adopted into his family. You see, the more I studied, I realized it was one thing to be born into a family, but it was another thing to be adopted into a family. You see, as an adopted kid, it meant I was chosen to be here. Someone took the time to read my bio. Someone took the time to study my bloodline. Someone took the time to invest in making sure that we were a great fit. And someone then took the time to legitimize me to become part of a greater story. That is what God did for us. He said that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God continually pulls his next big thing from the background. When you are chosen by God, he will place you before great men. Saul was on a journey for some lost animals, and in his search for something lost, he was found, he was elevated, he was established in a matter of days. So God's timing is not our timing. When we are obedient to God, he will move heaven and earth on our behalf. Saul had no idea that his obedience to his father would cause major promotions to fall upon him. Yet that is exactly what happened as he went on a hunt for some lost animals. Saul was in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. So as I go to take my seat three years ago, my life changed forever. You see, I had applied for an intern at a church, and this church is very unlike my church in that there were limitations that I would have to agree to 
in order to work here. You see, New Life had restrictions, limitations, boundaries, and rules. All the things that society speaks against. Society says, go for what you know, break all the rules and crush all the boundaries, but that's not the laws of God. So upon hearing the limitations, I agreed to the limitations and began the intern. You see, the limitations did not define who I was or the assignment at that time. The assignment to come here was to grow me up. The assignment was, could you still serve without your title? Could you still serve if you weren't allowed to function as one in charge? Could you still serve and not have any authority? Would you still love God's people when everyone wasn't happy to see you? Everyone did not want to be your friend. And when people flat out just did not like you for no reason at all, could you still serve and love his people? When you would show up and people would disperse. And my answer was yes. Because I realized that my title did not define me. You see, I had chased titles all of my life. Call me this or because I have that, you better acknowledge me. But serving in new life was the beginning of my new life. The time there was to prove me of my superficial, God bless you. And no, thank you. But in my mind, I'm saying, yup, I'm that chick. It wasn't until I sat in the space of limitations that God could trust me with more. Enter a Robin who shines bright like the sun. Who would have thought that a chance meeting would begin a friendship that opened the door to a platform that I could not even imagine? Yet that chance meeting and my obedience to God caused me to enter into new covenant, where the limitations were removed because my dependency was on God and not on Danielle. My trust was in God and not on my own skill. My hope was in Jesus and not the next big thing that I could create. I began to realize that I am nothing without God. And I learned that life is much sweeter with God. No, the challenges did not stop happening, but their effects were decreased. I no longer allowed life to change my disposition or allow life to create health challenges or allow myself to think that I could fix it absent of God. Once I realized my new covenant, then my love for the greater harvest of souls began to flourish. You see, my new covenant reminded me that the harvest was plenty, but the laborers were few. And God began to give me a harvester's heart, where it truly was no longer about Danielle, but about those who never encountered Christ, seeing him reflected in their interactions with me. It was about having a harvester's heart and realizing that I must leave this world empty by doing my level best to ensure that you know this Jesus I so love dearly. It's about going after the brokenhearted and those who feel like God has left them. When I stopped chasing after titles and positions and people's opinion of me, and I realized that when I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and lean not unto my own understanding, but in all of my, my ways, and in all of my interactions, in all of my decisions, when I acknowledged him, and I asked him, and I talked to him, and I listened to him, that he promised that he would direct my path in the way that will prosper me. So as I go to take my seat, my second Baptist clothes, mm-hmm, 
Every delay is not a denial or something that happens to frustrate you. Some delays are designed to bless you. Saul was jealous of David, not realizing that David had his own demons that he had to deal with. Saul did not know that David dealt with sexual challenges. Saul did not know that David would deal with daddy issues because of his own daddy issues he had with his father. Saul did not know that David could not get close to people and let people in because of his own disconnect from his brothers. Saul did not know all that David struggled with and would struggle with, but David's decision to keep his heart pure before God was something that David had mastered. God did not cause Saul to miss his opportunity to remain in his position as king, but he absolutely did use it to bring forth his agenda. Trust and believe God's plan will not be aborted because of man's decision to not follow the plan. I'll say that again. Trust and believe that God's plan will not be aborted because of man's decision to not follow the plan. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should have to repent. Just because you will not stay true to the plan to be a blessing does not mean the intended benefactor will not be blessed. It simply means the blessing will come through you, and you will have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. So may I encourage you to seek the Lord with your whole heart, to chase after him and his plan for your life. Remember that you are uniquely crafted and an original, one of a kind, and only you can do the assignment that is given to you. So get up, show up, and look up to the hills from which comes your help. Obey God and follow his plan. Let me say that again. Obey God and follow his plan. I promise you his plan will run circles around the best plan you could ever imagine. I am praying for you and believe in God for greater in your life. Trust God. Obey God. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.